to Casey Cast, the Annie E. Casey Foundation podcast. Casey Cast is a monthly conversation focusing on how all of us can work together to build a brighter future for kids, families, and communities. I'm Lisa Hamilton, Vice President of External Affairs at the Foundation, and I'm so glad you've joined us for a hopefully inspiring and interesting conversation today. The Casey Foundation focuses on giving kids what they need strong families, vibrant communities, and financial stability. In these efforts, the Foundation is fortunate to work with innovators who develop, test, and implement solutions to help kids thrive. Each month, we'll bring you an in-depth conversation with one of these experts right here on CaseyCast. I'm fortunate that I get to spend my days talking with experts in and outside of the Casey Foundation, learning about the challenges kids and families face and possible solutions to these issues. In fact, on this podcast, I've had the opportunity to share conversations with innovative thinkers and experienced leaders working to reform child welfare and juvenile justice systems and more. Today, however, I'm delighted to bring you a different, though equally important group of experts. We get to talk with two young people who've been in foster care who have experiences and ideas sure to inspire change for those who follow them. It's my pleasure to welcome Samantha Amon and Brittany Hunter to the podcast. Our guests are young fellows with the Foundation's Jim Casey Youth Opportunities Initiative. As fellows, these young people work as advocates in policy areas that are important to them. In addition, They advise the foundation in its efforts to improve the lives of youth transitioning from foster care into adulthood. Welcome, Samantha and Brittany. So let's start off with introductions. Samantha, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? Thank you so much, Lisa. I'm so delighted to be here. My name is Samantha Amen. I'm a young fellow from Iowa, and I've been working with the initiative since 2011. I recently graduated from Drake University with my master's in public administration in May. My name is Brittany Hunter. Thank you so much for having us. I am currently right now a student at Arizona State University studying civil engineering. I have been with the foundation now going on five years, and I am part of the Fostering Advocates Arizona Young Adult Board. Thanks, both of you, for joining me. So the Jim Casey Youth Opportunities Initiative seeks to improve the lives of young people who are moving into adulthood from foster care. You both are making tremendously impressive transitions yourselves, um, but we know that young people can face many barriers when they're making this transition. Samantha, could you tell us a bit about some of the barriers you've seen young people face? Young people transitioning from care need safe and stable housing and access to their own transportation. Research shows us what we already know. Young people, regardless of their foster care status, are not ready to be on their own at age 18, and the numbers show that as well. We know that one in five young people transitioning from care will be homeless after their 18th birthday, and more than half will be unemployed by the time that they're 24. So that not only is there an initial impact on young people transitioning, but it's a long-term impact as well. One of the main issues that I think leads to these poor outcomes is young people, when they're not ready to be on their own, they don't have basic necessities like their own transportation. With their own transportation, a young person is able to get to and from work, to and from school, the doctor's office, and even to the grocery store. They're able to be more self-sufficient and rely on themselves. And learning to drive is a rite of passage for most young people. And I say most because a lot of my peers in foster care didn't even have their license by age 18. 
and a lot of barriers to getting your license as a young person. When you think about who you first learned to drive with, it's usually your mom or dad. But we don't have those roles when we're in foster care. We don't have a lot of times somebody to call mom or dad. And there's a lot of fear for young people to be put on their foster parents' insurance. And there's a lot of fear on the side of the foster parents as well when you think about having to have that responsibility of caring to that capacity for somebody that's not your birth child. And even if they were to get their license, another barrier that I think a lot of people don't think about is the fact that we don't have a permanent address past age 18. So you don't have an address to put on your driver's license. You don't have an address to file your uh, car insurance under, which leads me to my second most important asset I think all young people need to transition, and that's safe and stable housing. There are a lot of programs that foster youth that are exiting care have access to, like Section 8 housing, but a lot of times there's really long waits, it's a confusing process, and quite frankly, young people do not want to be on another public program. We want to be self-sufficient, and we need opportunities to be. And like I said before, because young people are transitioning, they often don't have the same supports as our peers that aren't in foster care. We don't have the parents and the family members to help us figure out what a safe, good apartment might look like or a house. We don't have somebody to walk us through that process. We don't have that financial safety net or even a co-signer. And we usually don't have good credit or efficient credit to get on a good apartment lease. You raised a lot of great issues, transportation, housing, um, the skills, driver's license, um, and even supportive adults to help you navigate all those different decisions that you need to, to face. Um, thank you for that. Um, Brittany, anything you want to add to that? It's challenging aging out of foster care when you also have a child to provide for. One significant challenge is having child care. In order for me to go to school and work towards my degree and my goals to better my future for myself and my daughter, I need to have a safe place for her to go. As young adults, we want to be successful, we want to earn a degree, and we want to have a career. However, going about the process when you have a child is hard, and I know we need support. I found myself in a position where my income was the same amount as what my child care expenses were. I had to quit my job because I could not afford to keep taking my daughter to daycare. Well, Samantha and Brittany, you have raised some really important issues. What kinds of solutions um, have you seen? Maybe we'll, we'll start with you, Samantha. So I think another underlying barrier to getting access to safe and stable housing and transportation is poor credit. Having low or no credit has the potential to block young people from securing their housing, purchasing their transportation, um, and even approval for credit cards that can be that financial safety net that young people need when they have no one else. I think it would be amazing to partner with housing initiatives and policymakers to allow former foster youth to secure housing by waiving the minimum credit requirement that most leases require. And perhaps we can even create an insurance program to support foster parents as they support young people learning to drive uh, to kind of ease that financial burden or altogether create a different system where young people could be on like a state insurance rather than on their foster parents. That way, if they do move to a different home environment or they do exit care, they can take their insurance with them and that's not an additional barrier. What about you, Brittany? You raised the child care question. Any ideas on what we can do to help reduce that challenge for young people? One way I feel we can support young parents is to provide childcare stipends along with their independent living stipends. 
Childcare is expensive. I pay on average $800 a month. Therefore, the stipends will allow young adults who want to be successful to go to school or work without worrying about having safe, reliable childcare, as well as having extra money in their pocket for other expenses. Another solution I see is that the community needs to come together and organize an online database or portal of some sort of all the different resources available for young parents aging out of care. Knowing what resources are out there is the key to helping young parents. I'm curious how you have both found out what kinds of resources are available. As you were aging out of care, were there um, social workers in the system that gave you some place to start? How are you all able to um, navigate a sort of complex set of options that might be out there for you? So the community that I come from, I had foster parents that I was living with, um, and even foster parents that I was no longer living with who were still really involved in my life. Um, And when I was 14 years old in Iowa, you can get your permit at age 14. So they put me on their insurance, and that was a choice that they made. Some other supportive adults in my life were my self-sufficiency advocates. So in Iowa, we have the aftercare program, which is similar to a lot of uh, programs where there's an extension of foster care. And so instead of a social worker, we have a self-sufficiency advocate. So she was making sure that I had um, access to housing and we would kind of get over those barriers. We worked to build up my credit together. But I think the most important thing is even though we all need to be connected to one adult by age 25, it's so important to have that community of multiple adults coming together. It doesn't just take one adult. It does take a village to help us be successful. What about you, Brittany? It was through my community where I found out about the resources. I found out the Earn While You Learn program, which is a program for the first year of your child's development. You learn about anything from hygiene to how do I discipline a child to how do we read books and learn speech. I was introduced to that program from an academic advisor at school. So just having my community there to just point me in a direction when I'm at a point where I need a direction, that's always been my strongest connection within my community. Have you all had the benefit of peers who told you about things? It's certainly great to have adults who are able to help you navigate, but uh, I would suspect you've got connections to friends uh, or through the Jim Casey opportunity that may have told you about programs or resources you could explore, too. What role have peers played in helping you navigate? When I moved to Des Moines from Ames, where I aged out of foster care, I didn't have that peer support system, but it's definitely built up through my involvement with the Jim Casey Youth Opportunities Initiative. Now I have a network of friends all throughout the United States, and we even have a Facebook page where we can reach out to each other and be like, hey, I am experiencing this roadblock, or I don't know what to do next semester for financial aid, and then we can just all pour in and give our expertise, and it's really cool. Uh, It's especially cool because growing up, I didn't have that peer support I didn't make a lot of friends moving from home to home, but now I have that. And it's really cool to have that two-way relationship where I can invest in my new friends as much as they invest in me. And that's one of my favorite things about being a young fellow. How about you, Brittany? 
I agree with Samantha. The peer support system around the nation is is big when it comes to if I have a problem in my site in Arizona, I can call a site in Iowa and say, hey, you know, what resources do you have out there that I could bring to Arizona? And that's one big thing is having that peer support from other people who've experienced somewhat similar situations. Right. One of the uh, policy issues that uh, I know the Jim Casey Initiative has worked on has been about extending foster care. So most young people age out of foster care at age 18, but there's been a movement around the country to get foster care extended to age 21. I'm wondering if you know others who have taken advantage of that and uh, what role you think that extension of foster care plays in helping young people have a successful transition. I think extension of foster care is so crucial to uh, reversing these poor outcomes and making sure that every young person has the opportunity to be successful. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, Iowa has it's not called extended care, but it is similar to that. It has been so important to getting me into school, to getting me the transportation, the secure housing, and even led to the permanency that I found through my adoption in college. And I think having that special support is so important. When we know that young people aren't ready by 18 and half of young people aren't even graduated by age 19 if they're in foster care, we really need that extra time uh, to not just jump off the, the cliff into adulthood. Could you even say a little about how foster care needs to look different for young people who are older than 18? If you do take advantage of extended care, you don't need the same kinds of supports and services that you do when you're under 18. Either one of you want to talk a bit about how you think foster care even needs to be different for older youth. Absolutely. This is one of my favorite passions. So with the extension of care, in order to do it well, we need to make sure that We treat the young people that are accessing additional services as adults. We are adults at age 18, and we need to be treated like that. So under 18, a lot of the focus is around safety and permanence. Um, But after 18, it's making sure that we are ready to be adults and stable on our own. So one of my favorite things about the aftercare program in Iowa is that the social workers are no longer called social workers. They're called self-sufficiency advocates. And even having that different language really just changes the, the dynamic of the relationship. Uh, it needs to be voluntary and it needs to be accessible from young people that want to maybe leave and then come back and re-enter the program. So that way it can meet us where we're at in the transition. It's really tough, especially when you've been in foster care for quite a while to want to just jump into another program and be tied down. Um, and some people are like, no, I don't want to be part of the system anymore. But then they realize they really do need help in the transition. It also needs to be individualized. So what I need um, and what I see as the major barriers as I transition are not the same as Brittany um, and not the same as a lot of our peers. But we do know that we need the same basic needs. So just working one-on-one with us, listening to us, meeting our needs where we're at, and then making sure that we're leading the process. Those are all very important. You want to add anything, Brittany? She basically took the words out of my mouth, especially when it comes to wanting to re-enter the system. Say you're 18, you want to take a big leap and do it on your own, and then you realize that probably wasn't the best decision, and then you realize maybe that support system is what you should have done. Re-entering care should not be challenging if they want to re-enter. 
That's great advice. Thank you. So are there any other ways that we can help young people be financially stable as they make the transition to adulthood? Um, Samantha, you talked a bit about credit, but are there other strategies that can help young people be financially stable? Yes. So the Jim Casey Youth Opportunities Initiative and its sites across the country have a program called the Opportunity Passport Program. A huge component of that program is financial capability, and that's one of the main goals for all young people in order to be successful. And I think one thing that has just been really helpful in my transition is understanding how I relate to money, the emotional tie to money. There is a curriculum called Money Habitudes that I know we're starting to implement uh, in Iowa at our site, and it helps the young person understand, and it's for all ages, but it helps the young person understand how they process, how they use money. And it shows them that there's an uh, emotional tie to money and to purchasing objects. So with that, I, I think in the financial literacy that I've received through my involvement with the Opportunity Passport Program was really where I learned more about myself, but it also helped me create goals for myself and think both short-term and long-term and the impact uh, of my current situation where I wanted to be down the road. Uh, and I think budgeting is so important. And my favorite thing about the Opportunity Passport Program is that you continuously learn throughout your time in the program. So it's for young people from age 14 to age 26. And what I match for and what I budget for at age 14 is not the same thing as what I match for and budget for at age 26. So I think it's it's so important that we are meeting young people where they're at, um, especially even with simple life skills like budgeting. All of our listeners might not even be familiar with the Match Savings account. Could either of you just uh, explain how the program works? Well, the Opportunity Passport program is a match savings program. For every dollar that you save, Jim Casey will match a dollar. So if I were to save $500 for a down payment on a new car, Jim Casey will match that $500. Therefore, $1,000 will be a down payment. Therefore, making my payments cheaper and I will drive off of the lot with a new car. You could also buy assets such as computers for school, such as pay tuition. Right now, I'm currently paying off debts that I encountered when I was 18, aging out of foster care, not having that support system, not having that financial literacy, got in debt, and here I am, 25, fixing it with my Opportunity Passport Match Savings Program. That's great. You know, Samantha talked a bit about um, some of the ways she needed to strengthen her knowledge of financial budgeting with you being a mom. Are there other strategies that you think could be helpful um, for young parents or for young people aging out of foster care that could help with their financial stability? When there's a child involved, the budget is way different. There's not just food for you that you have to worry about. There's also food for your child you have to worry about. You have to worry about housing, transportation. So having financial literacy of how am I going to make it the whole month on top of paying for child care, that's very difficult. So once again, if there are stipends in place that can take care of the child care, the rest of the money that goes for the rent and that goes for food and lights will go to that 
However, there can, there can also be extra money that can go for other opportunities, such as maybe being able to save for a home to purchase in the future. Instead of paying $800 a month on daycare, I could save $800 a month and hopefully get into a brand new home in the next year if we can get those child care stipends. Does Arizona have the kind of financial literacy training that Samantha was talking about in Iowa? Yes, we do have the Opportunity Passport program on our site as well. So all the curriculums that are offered, we receive from transportation to learning how to pick out a car, learning how to apply for a credit card, even down to applying for student loans and knowing what you're really jumping into instead of jumping in there. And then at the end of the day, you know, you're well over your head and in debt. Right. Thanks for for letting us know that. Um, So I'd like to pick up one of the threads that you all talked about earlier about the role of mentors and adults uh, in your lives. Could you talk a bit about the role mentors or other supportive adults have played in your lives and how you build those relationships and, and how we could increase the the numbers of adults who are helping you make successful transitions? So adults play such a crucial role in making sure that all young people who transition from foster care are successful. And there's three ways that I think of right off the bat. Uh, When they connect with us, when they get creative with us, and when they keep listening to us is when we are the most successful. What neuroscience shows us is that all young people need to be connected by age 25 to at least one caring adult. We all need someone we can go to when we have just the simplest question. I cannot tell you how many times I call my mom to ask her how long I'm supposed to heat something up in the microwave. We just need someone that we can turn to uh, when we have questions about budgeting or my car won't start, I don't know what to do. And we just need that one person. For those uh, that work with us and you transitioning from care, I think it's incredibly important to be innovative and to meet us where we're at. Uh, The solutions that work today, the ones that we're brainstorming, might not be what young people in care transitioning need in five years. So please continue to listen to us and have us at the table and listen to the young people in your sites, because Iowa is very different from Arizona and our needs are going to be different. How about you, Brittany? Young adults just need to come together and have this common ground of what they want to do with the system instead of having someone on this side of the town and this side of the town having two different programs come together, make one program, you know, get it organized so that, you know, when problems arise, we already have the solutions on the table instead of having to go out there and find them. And more importantly, like Samantha said, just listen to what we want. We obviously know where we want to go in life. We just need maybe a little extra help getting there. So I know that the Jim Casey Youth Opportunities Initiative um, works with its young fellows to become advocates for other youth. And you are often the critical voices that change laws in the states where you live. How are you using your voice as advocates? One of my favorite things to do is to advocate. And it's so cool to see five years later from when I first became a young fellow and the stuff that we advocated for is actually happening like the Success Beyond 18 campaign where we really push states to extend foster care to at least 21. So it's been so cool to see even the barriers that I faced when I was in care are no longer barriers because we have these really good solutions, and that's what makes this all worth it. That's awesome. How about you, Brittany? Well, for my issue of being young parents, 
We are not just talking about young mothers, but we are also talking about young fathers who are doing whatever it takes to provide a better life for their child. I am passionate about this issue because I found myself in the predicament where I had to leave my job and stop school because I could not afford childcare, and I know this is devastating. Having reliable child care shouldn't hinder anyone from achieving their dreams. Therefore, advocating for safe and reliable child care for young adults aging out of the system is crucial. And with my community supporting me, imagine the possibilities. Well, I know that the majority of our podcast audience is adults, but I'm hopeful that there are a few young teens in foster care who might be listening. And I wonder what advice uh, both of you would give them to prepare them for life after foster care. Emerging adulthood is such a sweet time because it's an opportunity where you can access a lot of the programs in your sites and you might not feel like you want to even talk to another adult for a long time, but you're going to really appreciate it down the road, and the time is going to go by so fast. So just remember, you're not going to carry your label of being a foster kid with you forever. And emerging adulthood is also the most important time to figure out who you are, and it's just going to be awesome. How about you, Brittany? My advice would just be keep pushing every day. Wake up with a new goal, a new outlook on life. You make your story. No one else does. Thank you so much, Brittany and Samantha, for joining us. And I want to thank our listeners for joining us as well. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, rate our podcast on iTunes to help others find us. To learn more about our podcast and find notes for today's show, visit us online at www.aecf.org forward slash podcast. And follow the Casey Foundation on Twitter at AECF News. Until next time, I wish all of America's kids and all of you a bright future.